Well, I was concentrating really hard, even though it didn't seem like it was going to be that difficult. You all have had different tasks like that before where you didn't think it was going to be that hard. And there I was. I was super focused. I had my eyes down looking at the target and I was ready. And I was like, you know what? I'm kind of an athletic guy. This shouldn't be all that difficult. And I looked down at the golf ball. And there I was with a buddy of mine. They're like, look, it ain't that hard. You just swing, you hit the ball, and it'll go. Just, you know, you, you'll be fine. And I remember swinging and missing. And I was like, you've got to be kidding me, right? How hard can this really be? It's a little golf ball, a big golf club. Hit the ball, right? That's all you've got to do. It doesn't seem like it would be that difficult. So I wound up for my next hit, or <laughs> my next attempted hit anyway. And I swing that golf club. And no joke, I hit the ground before I hit the golf ball. The head of the club shattered off of the club itself, the handle, and it went about 30 yards into the driving range. It went farther than the ball did. And we started laughing until I remembered this was my buddy's golf club. <laughs> Thankfully, it was under warranty and he was able to get a new one. So, But it's tasks like that. We've all had that before where it's like when we think about it on the surface, it's like it's not that hard. But then we start to understand the mechanics of it, what, what all's truly underneath it, and it's a little harder than what we think. And today we're just going to go there. We're, we're, we're going to experience something today, I think, I pray, that it's going to be like, at, on the surface, it's like, well, duh, we've all heard this story probably a million times already. We know we're supposed to do that, but whenever you get down to the nuts and bolts of it, ooh, maybe there's some parts of it that we're missing. Maybe there's some parts we don't understand. So... Maybe the story that we've probably all heard over and over and over again throughout our lives, maybe there's something we've missed. And if it's something that's so important to Jesus, maybe it's something we can't afford to miss. Well, good morning. It's so good to see you guys this morning. I see you at home, Christ United. It's awesome to see you guys and be in your homes this morning. We are going to be in the book of Mark briefly and then also in the book of Luke. So if you want to go ahead and open up your Bibles to the book of Mark chapter 12, if you were with us last week, we started on this thing where this teacher of the law goes to Jesus and he asks him this question. He says, of all the commandments, which is the most important? He's asking Jesus, what is the one thing I need to know? Of, of everything, when you look at you know, the Bible and you look how big and all the words and pages of everything that's there, what is the one most important thing I need to do? And of course, Jesus couldn't answer it with just one thing. Jesus says, look, here's what you need to do. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. And before he could even stop for a breath, he goes, and the second is this, love your neighbor as yourself. There is no commandment greater than these. Do you see what Jesus did here? He took two things and he said, there is no commandment greater than these. He ties these together in meaning what we talked about last week. Man, if you want to love God, number one, you gotta love God with everything you've got, your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And you need to love your neighbor, love your neighbor as yourself. They are connected. And last week we talked about what it means to love God with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength. And it starts with obedience to him. If we want to love him, we have to obey what he commands. That's what John told, taught us last week. This week we're talking about, okay, well, if these are connected, the second is this, love your neighbor as yourself. And come on, this is the part that we're like, well, duh, right? We should just love people, right? It's not that difficult. Well, I think whenever we see this, I think one question comes to mind. 
At least it did for one of the teachers of the law because at the, um, when Luke recorded this in his book, this question actually pops up and it might be a question for you. Whenever you see, oh, love your neighbor as yourself, the one question that probably pops up is, well, who's my neighbor? And this is what was in um, Luke chapter 10. So if you want to flip over to the book of Luke, that's where we're going to be for the rest of our time today. And in your Bibles, Luke, very easy to find. Go towards the back, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, the four Gospels. Matthew, Mark, Luke, we're going to be in Luke chapter 10, where the teacher of the law says this. He's like, well, who is my neighbor? All right, if I'm supposed to love God, okay, I got that with all my heart, soul, mind, and strength. That's obedience. Let's love God that way. And then love your neighbor as yourself. Well, who's my neighbor? And Jesus, in only the way Jesus could do, in his brilliance and his genius, he answers him this way as we follow along. You're going to love this one. You've probably heard this before, but maybe we'll hear it a little differently today because this is how Jesus answers the question, well, who's my neighbor? Jesus says, a man, circle, highlight, underline, we'll come back to that in a second. A man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho when he was attacked by robbers. They stripped him of his clothes, beat him, and went away, leaving him half dead. A priest, circle, highlight, underline, we'll be there in a second. A priest happened to be going down the same road, and when he saw the man, he passed by on the other side. So too a Levite, underline, we'll come back there. So too a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him, he sees the guy beaten, half dead on the road, passed by on the other side. But a Samaritan, circle, highlight, underline, as he traveled, came where, a man, came where the man was, and when he saw him, he took pity on him. And look, look at what the Samaritan does. He went to him, bandaged his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. Then he put the man on his own donkey, brought him to an inn, and took care of him. The next day, he took out two denarii, and denarii, um, a denarii is basically um, a coin or it would be the worth of a single day's wage. So he gives two days' wages to the innkeeper, and he says, look after him, and when I return, I will reimburse you for any extra expense you may have. Now, and then Jesus throws out the que a question right back at this teacher of the law when he says, who's my neighbor? He tells him this story, and he says, all right, which of these three— do you think was a neighbor to the man who fall into the hands of the robbers? And here's what the teacher of the law said, or the expert in the law. He replied, well, the one who had mercy on him. And Jesus says, go and do likewise. And there's the story. And right, we've heard the Good Samaritan story a thousand times, right? In fact, we even have laws today titled the Good Samaritan Laws, right? So, so we've all probably heard this, even if you're not a church person watching today, you've probably heard the story of the Good Samaritan. And this is just basic 101, right? I mean, don't we all get out of this story? Yeah, we should all just go and help people. Well, yeah, but whenever he's diving into the question of who is my neighbor, I think there's some keys in here that make this story a little bit different for us, maybe a little more relevant for us, maybe a little more important to us. So what we're going to do is we're going to dive in. Let's understand the characters so we can better understand this story. And before we get to the characters, Jesus starts off and he says, 
when he's telling the story to this teacher of the law, he's, he says, hey, they were on a road between Jerusalem and Jericho. Well, that wasn't a fictionary road. There was actually a road between Jerusalem and Jericho. And it was roughly about 15 miles between Jerusalem and Jericho. And this road was actually a pretty treacherous road. Even though it was only about 15 miles, you drop 3,600 feet in elevation in just 15 miles. Jerusalem was 2,300 feet Um, above sea level. Jericho was 1,300 feet below sea level. So just within a short span of 15 miles, rocky roads and everything going up and down, twists and turns, you drop 3,600 feet in elevation. This road was also known as um, the Bloody Pass or the Way of Blood or the Red Road simply because of all the bloodshed that happened on this road. Because people would be robbed and the blood that would be shed there as people were robbing and there would be murders. I mean, it was a horrible road. So as Jesus starts this story and he's like, hey, so a man was going from Jerusalem to Jericho. He's making this super real for the people who are listening. They would have known this road. See, Jerusalem is where the temple was. Jericho is where it was one of the most popular cities. So of course, a lot of people would live there. It was a pretty, even though it's 15 miles It was one of the closest cities to Jerusalem. So if you're going to work at the temple, yeah, you'll live in Jericho. So this was a very real place that Jesus was saying. He's like, look, there's a road and then there's a man beaten. So let's understand some of the characters here. So there's a man. We had you underline that in your Bible. Right next to that, if you want, just put anyone, anyone. And I know you're probably like, Steve, that is like the dumbest fill in the blank ever anyone. And I love this because when you look at what Jesus did, he did not put a nationality to the man. He didn't put a political party to the man. You know, he didn't put um, a cultural status to this guy. He didn't do it. He didn't put a name to him so he could be traced back. He didn't put any heritage. It was a man. So, so think about that. He's like, look, you want to love God? Okay. That means you also have to love your neighbor as yourself. Well, who's my neighbor? It's a person. It's a person. Well, well what's this person look like? Looks like a person. Well, what, 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 what color is the skin? It's a person. I mean, well, are they a Steelers fan? Oh, it's a person. He doesn't give anything that lets you know what kind of person it is, except, hey, it's a person. So, who's your neighbor? Who's my neighbor? anyone. It's a person. Jesus doesn't do anything to kind of make it specific on, oh, it's got to be this type of person. He just says, no, 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 no. A man was beaten up and laid on the side of the road. Man, he's anyone. Could be anyone. He could have put man or woman, but of course a woman wouldn't be traveling alone on the road. So he just puts a man to make the story real. He's like, look, you want to know who was beaten up? You know who was down? Could have been anyone. No race, no background, no specific belief. It's a person. You want to know who your neighbor is? It's a person. That's really all he gives us. And then we have a priest. And had you underline priest? Here's something to know about a priest. You could just put leaders that serve God. See, in, in Jericho, 
um, there were roughly about 10,000 priests there simply because of, like I said, the, how close it was to the city of Jerusalem. And whenever we think of a priest, we think of, man, these are leaders who serve God. So when, whenever we read the story, do we understand what this guy did? When the priest, it lets us know the priest saw the man who was beaten up half dead on the side of the road. And what did the priest do? He, not, he saw him and then he didn't just ignore it. He avoided the situation. He goes to the other side of the road. So Jesus is pointing out to these Jewish leaders. He's like, hey, so there's a guy beaten up on the side of the road. It could be anyone. And you want to know what the priest did? You want to know what the leader who's supposed to be super, who's supposed to be real connected with God and who's supposed to be loving God and loving their neighbors as themselves. You know what he's going to do? He's going to avoid the situation. He's going to pass by on the other side of the road. He's going to see a need and ignore it. That, that, that's what the leader of the church of God does, who's supposed to be one who says, yeah, this is how you serve God. This is how you neighbor each other. And he says, no, nah, I'm going to completely ignore the situation. So we have a man beaten up. We have a priest who is you know, he would have the position that we all talk about of, man, this is a guy who would know the word of God. A priest would have the first five books of the Bible memorized. These guys were super smart guys. They knew the law and they knew that, man, I need to love God with all my heart, soul, mind, and strength. And they would have known I need to love my neighbor as myself. But he sees this guy beaten up and decides to completely avoid the situation. He's talking common language with these people. Hey, someone who would have the position who should know how to serve God and how to love the neighbor as themselves, and they completely ignore the situation. And then we have a Levite. And a Levite is simply, if you want to write down, the people that serve God. Now, now this goes back a long time ago. This goes back to the book of Exodus. If you remember in the book of Exodus, um, whenever uh, the nation of Israel was enslaved to the nation of Egypt, and you know um, Moses comes in and says, let my people go, and Pharaoh says no, and there's these 10 plagues. Well, the last plague, if you remember, um, was the, the death angel comes in, and if you didn't put blood of the lamb over your doorframe, the firstborn of every home would, would die. And after that happens, it was almost as, um, hey, let, let's, you know, let's not forget what happened. Levi was the firstborn son of Jacob. So the tribe and the clan of Levi forever was kind of set apart. And this, the Levites were known as the people who would be serving in the temple. Every male who was a Levite would have a rotation where they would go in and serve in the temple of God. So, so we have a priest who had the position who would know about loving God. And the Levites were the people that served God. Do you see what Jesus is doing here? And the Levite, also does the same thing the priest does and passes by. He sees the man, passes by on the other side. He's telling these, the teacher of the law, these Pharisees, people who are asking him these questions, he's telling them, look, a man was hurt. And you know what? The people that you know, <laughs> in fact, maybe even you, who would hold the position of knowing what it means to love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength and to love your neighbor as yourself, the guys who had the position of that passed by the need. And the Levites, the people who would have served God in the temple, they too ignored the need. 
I mean, I don't know. If you've ever read through the New Testament, Jesus doesn't have a problem ruffling the feathers of people who were, who were religious. People who thought that, man, just by having this memorized or knowing all of this and by their position that they, they were closer to God because of all of that, he's taking a direct shot at all of them. And he was like, look, almost as if he's saying, you know what? Religion ain't gonna do it. You know, you might know the verse, hey, love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, love your neighbor as yourself, but you know what? You're not doing it. And come on, let's be honest today. Can't this be you? Can't this be me? We can sit on Sundays and we can gather and we can open up the word and we can learn it. But man, as soon as we go outside, it's pretty easy for us to leave Jesus in the seat until we come back next week, isn't it? And Jesus is saying, that's what these guys are doing. Yeah, they might know the law. They might know, love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Love your neighbor as yourself. But as they see someone beaten up on the side of the road, they pass by. And he is ruffling some feathers of the nation of Israel. And if you think they're kind of squirming in their seats now, who was the last person in the story? We had a man, we had a priest, we had a Levite, and then we had a Samaritan. A Samaritan. Now, just under that, if, you wanna, if you're taking notes, just put the hated lifestyle. Because see, this goes back about 722 years. Because what happened was when um, Assyria came in and kind of took over the northern part of Israel, they removed over 30,000 um, uh, Israelites from the nation of Israel. And they actually moved in more than double of that amount of people from all kinds. So he was like, so basically what um, Assyria did, they were known for this. It was a brilliant military move was, hey, you want to make sure that these people aren't going to rise up against you? Let's make sure they don't even know what's going on within their own area. So they bring in all kinds of people from Assyria, people from all over. And after a while, you have the nation of Israel who say, hey, we're going to stay true to our Jewish line. We're not going to marry outside of Jewish lines. We're going to stick together. And after a while, you notice an Assyrian and she looks pretty good. And all of a sudden they start intermarrying with different people. And she'd be like, well, I've got three gods. He's like, well, I've got one God. Okay, we'll have four gods. I mean, and, and that's what was happening. They, they were known as a mixed breed. So they were absolutely hated within the nation of Israel. You know, these Samaritans, they, they were just a hated lifestyle. And for all of us, we might have a little different of a hated lifestyle that we look at. Maybe it's someone who, you know, their sexuality is different than you. Maybe, maybe it's someone who, man, how they handle their finances is different than you. This could be a lot of different things for all of us when it comes to a Samaritan. Someone that, man, you know, on the surface we say, oh, yeah, we love them. But underneath we're like, oh, man, we hate that lifestyle. That's the kind of person who comes along and actually helps the guy on the side of the road. And I don't know if you took notice in the story, he bandaged his wounds. He actually puts him on his donkey. So you know what that's a sign of? If, if you saw someone pulling a donkey and someone riding a donkey, the person riding the donkey, you would think it's someone who is a higher stature and it was the servant pulling the donkey. So this Samaritan comes along, puts this wounded man up on his donkey and says, I am serving you. I'm putting you on a higher plane than myself. And he's going to take the front of the donkey. He's going to bandage his wounds. He's going to take him in and he's going to make sure the guy is taken care of. And whenever he says, hey, you know what? I'm going to pay to make sure you're taken care of. He would take care of the innkeeper by in and saying, hey, you know, you continue to take care of him. I'll reimburse you for anything else that happens. And that is the story of the Good Samaritan. Maybe we don't realize that. We're like, oh yeah, we should just do good. But who is my neighbor? 
our neighbor is anyone, right? But when it comes to you and to me, you know, people who are followers of Christ, we're like, yeah, yeah, we're good with that. When it comes to our neighbors, it's the people who are, you know, two, two houses on each side of us and the one directly across the street. Or, or we, we kind of, I mean, isn't that what we like to do? Because look, if I can be honest, and I, I hope it's okay, here's what I wish this story meant. I wish this story meant that I get to choose my neighbors. You ever been there? You know, when, when it comes to that whole verse of, all right, you want to love God, now you need to love your neighbors. I want to choose who my neighbors are. I want to choose who it is I have to help. Come on, you ever been there? Have you ever been? I think the priest, I think the Levites, as he was telling the story, I think that's, the, that's where they were. They, would have, they had no problem maybe helping somebody if it was another teacher of the law, if it was another Pharisee. Come on. Isn't this what we wish the story meant? That we could pick and choose our neighbors? But you notice that whenever Jesus described the man, he didn't describe him all that much except for the fact that it was a person. It was a person. But for me, and maybe for you, I don't know, maybe it's just me, but what I wish this story meant was, I wish this story meant that I get to choose my neighbor and newsflash, I don't. You don't. But another thing I wish this story meant was, I wish it meant I get to choose how I help my neighbor, right? I mean, I wish I could pick and choose. All right, I wish I could pick and choose who is my neighbor, and I wish I could pick and choose how I'm going to help my neighbor. I mean, don't, don't we wish that that's what this story meant? But, but it, it, it really doesn't. But I would love that. I would love to kind of pick and choose how I'm going to help. And, and, and I mean, being, in, um, being on staff at church, one of the things that happened all the time, especially um, back when we had the building, was we would have people call all the time and be like, hey, I know somebody who needs help. Will you help them? right? Don't, don't we do that? Man, we see somebody who needs help. And so often we want to pass that off to someone else. Actually, Charles Spurgeon said this. I thought it was a powerful quote. He said, I never knew a man refuse to help the poor who failed to give at least one admirable excuse, right? Well, I, 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 I can't do that. You know, I, if, if I went by and and help that guy who was beat up on the side of the road. You know what? What if he was? What if he was like a fake robber with ketchup on his face, and there were two other ones around the, you know, behind the rocks? You know, he's he's saying right here, yo, everyone he's ever talked to, he's never heard of anyone who couldn't come up with at least one good excuse why you couldn't help someone in need. Not not one, because. When it comes to this story, when it comes to who is my neighbor, we wish, come on, come on. Isn't it true for you? It's true for me. Is that we wish we could pick our neighbors and we wish we could pick exactly how we could help. And if it's a way we don't want to help, we'll just be like, oh, I'll pray for you. And I think we can use that as a crutch sometimes and say, oh yeah, I'll just pray for you and hope and pray that somebody else will come along and help them. Or we'll, we'll call the church office and be like, hey, can you guys help? But that's not what this story means. I mean, I, I wish it meant that I could pick my neighbors and that I could choose how I help, but here's what it actually means. It actually means my neighbor is anyone God brings across my path. My neighbor is anyone God brings across my path. It, it's, it's a person. <laughs> that's, 
That's who it is. That's, it's not a specific, oh, okay, well, I live in a cul-de-sac, so I only have four houses to worry about, right? No, that's not what he's saying. When he tells this story, he says, a man, a man, that is a person. You, it, it doesn't define it anything other than that. What the story actually means is my neighbor, your neighbor, is anyone, anyone. You agree with their lifestyle or you don't. You agree with some of the decisions they've made in their life or you don't. It is anyone God brings across your path. That's what the story means. And what it also means, and this, this may sting a little bit, is that my neighbor's needs are my responsibility. This isn't necessarily, oh man, I got to call the church office. You know, they're, they're, you know, they need some food this week. No, no. My neighbor's needs are my responsibility. You know, so, so if you were to call and be like, hey, hey, church office, this guy needs some help. I'll be like, well, how much money do you have in your wallet, right? <laughs> because this newsflash, you are the church. I am the church. And when, when, especially when you read in the book of Acts, that, they say that's how the church started exploding is that they loved everybody and they would actually sell their own possessions to pay for others who were in need. Now, there is a big difference between a want and a need. And we need to pray for wisdom over that when it comes to, to dealing with people's needs. But I mean, look, our neighbor's responsibilities or our, our neighbor's needs are our responsibilities. We need to go out and we need to be the church, not just say, oh, I'll, I'll go to church on Sunday and I'll read the Bible. And I'll even memorize some verses. I'll even memorize, hey, I'm going to love God with all my heart, soul, mind, and strength. And I'm going to love my neighbor as myself. But we don't get to define who our neighbors are, and we don't really get to define necessarily how we help them because our neighbors' needs are our responsibilities. It's yours and it's mine. Now, there's definitely places in um, 2 Thessalonians uh, chapter 3 and um, where it says, look, if, you know, if you're not going to work, then you know, you, you don't eat. So it's not saying you do this for everyone. There are some boundaries. Also, 2 Corinthians 5, 9 through 13, there are some boundaries there. So, you know, be careful with those. But look, your neighbor's needs are your responsibility. You know, if your neighbor needs a ride to the hospital or a doctor's office, a doctor's appointment, instead of, you know, maybe necessarily trying to find them a ride, I mean, if you literally can't do it, maybe, but do it. You know, if someone comes along and, you know, <laughs> they need a slice of pizza, get them a slice of pizza. All right? Don't call the church office. Hey, I know somebody who needs help. You're the church office. Just call yourself. And be like, man, there's a person in need. And am I going to be like the priest and the Levite, the people who hold the, you know, the, the leaders of the church who would hold the position and the people who would be serving in the church, who would know the law, who would know that we're supposed to love God and we're to love our neighbor as ourselves. Are we going to be like that and pass by on the other side of the road? Or are we going to love our neighbor as ourselves the way the story really means? That we're actually going to see our neighbors as anyone that God puts in our path? And are we willing to say, you know what, my neighbor's needs, that's my responsibility. Let me help my neighbor. Let me be the church for my neighbor. It's a beautiful story. It's a powerful story. And I know, I know, I know, I know. I know this seems extraordinary. I know this seems outside the box, but it should be ordinary. 
seeing our neighbors as anyone that God brings across our paths and that our neighbors' needs are our responsibility, this seems to be something that is like, oh, that, that's like the SEAL Team 6 Christians, you know, who, who are able to do that. And it seems like something way extraordinary, but this should be ordinary for followers of Jesus. And I don't know where this lands for you, for me today. But the beautiful thing is, is that there's a world of people out there. There's a world of persons out there who need to know the love of God, who need a neighbor who truly has the heart of God. So as we, as we combine those two thoughts together over these last two weeks, man, what's the greatest commandment? Well, it's two. It's love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as ourselves. And as long as we have a heart to actually truly pray for God to get into our hearts and for our hearts to break the way his heart breaks, for us to love others the way he loves them, he gets to define how we love. He gets to define who our neighbors are. And his definition of it, of a neighbor, is anyone he brings in your path. So as our worship team is going to lead us here in a song. I don't know where this stirs for you, but I pray that you would just take some time and truly, truly ask God, is there any of the priest in me? Is there any of that Levite in me? Is there anything in me that, man, whenever I see a neighbor in need, you know what my first thing is? I want to avoid the situation. I want to pass on the other side of the road. Because your heart, my heart, where it should be, is that of like the Samaritan that says, you know what? Regardless of who that person is, that is somebody that God put in my path who needs a neighbor. And I want to be a neighbor like that. And for those of you watching today, and maybe you're watching and you've never accepted Christ as your Savior before, I want you to know that he's your neighbor that Jesus loves you so much. He took a death that you deserved and a death that I deserved because of our sin. And he took that death on a cross and his blood was shed to cover your sins. And so that we could be filled with his Holy Spirit, we could be forgiven for our sins. And if that's you and you wanna take that step today, you, 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 you wanna know who the best neighbor in the world was for you? It was Jesus. Because he took something that you deserved, a punishment you deserved, and he took it for you. That way you could love God and also learn how to love others the way he loves you. And if that's you and you wanna take that step today, just say these, say these words after me, say this prayer, or just say it in your own words and just say, Heavenly Father, God, I'm, I'm so sorry for my life. I feel like I'm beaten up on the side of the road. Maybe not physically, but I feel like because of the decisions I've made, I, I've been so far away from you. Thank you for being the best neighbor in the world for me, for dying on a cross for my sins. Thank you for living a perfect life and taking the death that I deserved. God, will you forgive me for my sins? God, will you fill me with your Holy Spirit? Will you teach me and continue to show me how you love me and teach me how to love others the way you love me? Help me to be a neighbor for others the way you have been a neighbor for me. Thank you for changing my life because being a follower of you isn't just saying a prayer. It is life change. And it doesn't mean I'm going to be sinless. It doesn't mean I'm always going to get it right. 
but it means from this day forward, I will continue to follow your footsteps, to follow your guidance, to obey you because that's what loving you is about. And in turn, I'm going to want to love others because of how you love me. Thank you for changing my life. Continue to show me how you love me and teach me how to love others in Jesus' name. Amen. And if you said that prayer, we are going crazy for you. And wherever you are right now, if you're to see you at home, make sure to let somebody know today is your day because heaven is going crazy because you just made the decision to not continue living how you've been living. You have chosen to accept Jesus as your savior. And it wasn't just a prayer. It is going to be a life change, which is why heaven is going crazy because of the decision you made. And we want to celebrate with you and be on the journey with you. So make sure you tell someone at your see, or see you at home. If you're not with anybody, put it in the comments or scan the QR code that's up here on the screen and fill out that quick form that will let us know that you made that decision today so we can celebrate with you and be on this journey with you. And as we go into this time of work, for everybody else who we've already accepted Jesus as our Savior. We're already walking with him. Will you just allow God to stir in you whatever he's stirring whenever we hear this story that we've heard maybe a thousand times before? What kind of neighbor am I being? If I'm supposed to love God with all my heart, soul, mind, and strength, and I'm to love my neighbor as myself, have I been defining who my neighbor is and how I get to help? And if I have been, God, will you change that in me? Because you are love and you get to define how it's done. You get to define who my neighbor is and how I get to help them. God, will you help me? Help me right now. Help me to love others the way you do. In Jesus' name, amen.